Hey guys, on today's pod I had on Rohan Caddy of BehindTheBugPass.com. Rohan's a really brilliant dude. I think one of the best people writing about the bugs. His stuff is, like I said, on Behind the Bug Pass, which is really a great website that I encourage all of you guys to read in case you want to read about one of the best players in the NBA, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like I said, Rohan's just a really smart dude, and I think it's great whenever you get a really smart dude with a different perspective than you and somebody who follows the Bucks day in, day out. On this pod, we discuss the, you know, some reasonable expectations for the Bucks this season, as well as kind of what they need to do, not only for this year, but moving forward in order to not waste the prime years of Giannis's career. Overall, I thought the pod went great. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the Bucks should be a top four team in the East. I think that's the sort of tier where they're lying within uh, the Boston, Toronto, Philadelphia would be the other three teams in that tier. Uh, probably winning a playoff series for the first time since 2001 would be, it would be a reasonable expectation given how far this team has come in the last couple of years how they did against Boston this previous season in the playoffs. They were one game off from winning, and they're only getting better. So I think winning uh, playoff series, uh, top four seed, probably 50 games, as that threshold will probably be met. So you think that they're in the tier with the 76ers, Raptors, and Celtics? Because, see, I would say that they're in the second tier with the Indiana Pacers as kind of that tier that is not quite the big three, but is the next one up. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's not it's not like difficult to say that you'd be right from my perspective. Like I I would agree with you on some in some respects on that. But I think why I would put them a little bit above the Pacers in the in the big tier in the East, as you described it, is because they have been weighed so. It the coaching was astronomically <laughs> yeah. terrible. It was by far the worst in the league. Like the Bucks have, they have talent. Giannis as well, like obviously a talent. Chris Middleton has the talent to be an All Star. Eric Bledsoe, even though his uh, sort of stock has like dropped catastrophically at, uh, because of the playoff series, he's a, he's a talented player. Malcolm Brogdon's talented. Tony Snell can fit a role. And they went from the worst coaching in the league to arguably uh, one of the top ten coaches in the league, and Mike Budenholzer. And so that upgrade, along with like the talent that's there, that's why I would put them in that uh, top tier. Yeah, let's kind of go on the coaching. I have I was writing it down, interestingly enough, and I wrote instead of writing what do you think of Coach Budenholzer before this, I was writing what's it like to get rid of kid and i was going to cross it off and then i thought that's actually you know better to keep in because that's kind of how i look at it as if budenholzer is even an average coach it's a huge improvement for you guys yeah you hit the head right on the uh, the nail right on the head (laughs) 
there are just getting rid of kids slash prunty in and in and of itself was an upgrade because you're ta- you're subtracting a negative. So, but you even go further than that and add one of the top coaches in the league. That's that that is that aside from LeBron joining the Lakers, I think that's the biggest upgrade that any team made this offseason. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree. I, well, I would argue that Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Third but, most, the third most. Okay, but I would agree with you. Just I think it's one thing to get Coach Budenholzer if you had a competent coach, but when you go from kind of the mess that's been there the past couple of years to Budenholzer, it should, it's a far bigger acquisition than a lot of free agents this season. Yeah, for sure. Um. Kind of, I guess the biggest problem I had with Kidd was his defense and the way they trapped opponents, and it led to a high turnover rate, which is obviously good, but just so many easy shots, both kind of in the corner three and everything like that. This season, what kind of defensive style do you expect the Bucks to play? Uh, I expect them to have more of a conservative approach and involve a lot of switching because they have a roster that is tailor-made for like switching. Uh, like Eric Bledsoe, he's he's only six one, but he has like a six nine wingspan. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is a great defender who can switch. Tony Snell can switch. Uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Thon, Brooke Lopez. It's it. They have a they have a roster that is tailor made for switching. And when if they actually enact it this season, they should be at one of the top defensive teams in the league instead of just trying to overcompensate and trying to force turnovers. But letting easy threes and open layups happen it's it it should be it should be a very very good defense this season well do you think i guess do you think they're going to be switch heavy because you know budenholzer's never been a switch heavy coach in his career and he's been on record saying that he thinks when you switch it kind of puts in a laziness to your defense do you guys think that you'll just switch more or do you think that you'll actually be a switch team this year yeah, the thing the thing with Budenholzer's comments like that is sure uh, it enacts sort of a laziness with switching in his eyes. But the thing is, when he has like even it's it's been seen in Atlanta, he molds his uh, schemes around his players. He doesn't just have a concrete uh, scheme that he wants his players to fit. He adapts, and when he sees a roster like the roster that the Milwaukee Bucks have, he'll want well, in, at least in my eyes, he'll want to have maybe more switching. Maybe not be as like maybe not be a switching team where they only switch, but you'll definitely see it more often than not because I feel he's going to adapt to this roster. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I think that it's important to, you know, it's hard to switch when you have Kyle Korver, so he's not going to be exactly. So now that you have a team with as much length as the Bucks have, and I mean, they are just filled with length across a roster. I think it's much more realistic to expect the team to switch. Um, for the Bucks, I guess kind of the one position that I think is the biggest question mark on your team right now is center. Who do you think will be the starting center for this team? Uh, I think the starting center is definitely going to be Brooke Lopez. Uh, when he was signed, Chris Haynes of ESPN, his report indicated that he was going to start, and it makes the most sense. Because he's uh, he's a floor spacer, which is perfect around Giannis. Uh, he can defend, he can grab rebounds, he can even score, he can he can run an offense 
like if if it's gone through him at certain points, not like as like the as not as the premier option, but he can be a solid third option, and and he just brings that. Um, and he's not like the only other floor spacing center that the Bucks have is Don Maker, but Don gets pushed around because he's so lanky and uh, tiny. But um, Brooke, he's sturdy. He can he can battle with the best of them, and that's that's probably why he's going to start. Do you think Tom is in the rotation this season? I think he will be in the rotation this season because um, because of his ability to shoot, and uh, the Bucks have made it a priority this offseason to uh, acquire shooters, and that's probably because uh, Coach Budenholzer's system is going to emphasize shooting um, because that's what's the greatest fit around Giannis and just the general trends of the league. Uh, and even John Henson, who's another center, he was uh, making comments around Summer League that he was talking to Budenholzer, and Budenholzer said he wants him to shoot corner threes, and that is terrible because John Henson cannot shoot. So that is probably why Don is going to play. He's going to. He's definitely going to be in the rotation. So then, I guess, is it going to be three centers that you guys run consistently, or do you think that Henson gets kicked out of the rotation? Do you think it's um, kind of just uh, depending on the night, depending on the matchup? Oh well, the ideal scenario is Henson gets traded, and so does his ten million dollar per year contract. Uh, but in terms of rotation, I think, yeah, three centers and probably adapting uh, either who comes off the bench in terms of Thon or Henson uh, with Brooks, uh, with Brooke Lopez starting. But whoever comes off the bench in what order, how many minutes they play, that can probably adapt game to game. Right, because, you know, Ersan um, Eliasova, he, he's a power forward, but obviously if you want to have him share minutes with Giannis ever on the court, I think that you're not going to play those those two at the four and the three very much that's more of a four or five combination don't you think yeah and even uh, last season when he got uh, picked up by the philadelphia 76ers ursan played a lot of small ball five alongside ben simmons and the same thing could be done uh in milwaukee because ursan can shoot he he's a he's a pesky pesky guy in terms of like taking charges and like getting surprise rebounds. He doesn't he doesn't play like he's 6'10", 235, but he actually is. So he can actually he can decently hold his own down there at the 5. So and you'll see a lot of small ball 5 with Ersan for sure. Well, I guess kind of what I'm getting at is there just seems to be kind of a log jam there right now with all those yeah. different bodies trying to get minutes at the 5. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was alluding to earlier that they should probably trade John Henson. Uh, not only because of his salary, but because they have a lot of centers now. Even uh, 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 what's it? Tyler Zeller? I couldn't remember which Zeller brother it was. Yeah. That was the Zellers uh, and Plumleys just. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Zeller. He's technically still on the roster, but he's probably uh, he's a non-guaranteed deal. So he, if anyone was, he's probably going to go or compete for a spot for training camp. But there's just there's so many bodies there, as you were saying. There's Brooke Lopez, there's John Henson, there's Thon Maker, uh, Ersan Ilyasova for stretches. So probably trading John Henson is the ideal ideal scenario because then you could have two floor spacing centers, like traditional centers, but then a uh, small ball five as well. Right, and obviously it's no secret that everybody wants to get as much spacing as possible around Giannis because you want that rim to be as clear as possible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's the same idea with LeBron and four shooters. I'm not saying LeBron and uh, Giannis are the same player, but uh, it's the sa- it's the same concept. 
Yeah, but they, I mean, they have a similar style game, and if anything, Giannis is more kind of focused on getting to the rim, so it makes even more sense that you need the shooters as opposed to LeBron, who spaces the floor a little himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, like last season where there were stretches where they would play uh, four shooters alongside Giannis, the numbers were very good on those lineups, and it, it's because you, it, there's there's no way you can actually guard those lineups consistently. Because Giannis, if he's on one-on-one, he's just going to get to the rim against almost anyone in the league. And then if he gets doubled he, you know, close to the basket, he can just kick it out for an open three. It's it's not guardable for consistent stretches. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it was kind of always frustrating to me um, over the years before this season. You saw them try to surround Giannis with so much length, which... I'm not saying length isn't important and all these things, but kind of at the expense of shooting. And I just never understood why you wouldn't want to surround him with shooters and at least be an above-average team offensively every season. Yeah, the Bucks they've struggled with finding an identity. Uh, when, what you're talking about with surrounding them with le- uh, surrounding Giannis with length, that was when uh, it's like, oh, the Bucks are a defensive team. But it's like, no, they were actually terrible at defense because the scheme was awful. But then, as you were saying, they can't, they couldn't get any shooting, so their offense wasn't good. But I think under Budenholzer, they're actually going to start to develop an, like an identity for their team. Are they going to be an offensive team? Are they going to be a 3 and D team? Are they going to be a solely defensive team? Who knows? The, the possibilities are endless, and we're going to see it this season. Well, yeah, and if you just kind of laid out this roster to me, and I didn't have any prior knowledge of them playing together my biggest expectation was, you know, this team is awesome defensively, but they might trouble, kind of have trouble scoring at different times. It was the exact opposite last season. They ranked ninth in offensive and 19th in defense. If you would have asked me, I probably would have had those switched if you just look at the roster composition. Next season, I you have to be hoping for more growth defensively than offensively, correct? Correct, and I think the offensive side of the basket uh, basket's actually going to get easier because they actually have they actually have schemes that'll be run and actual plays instead of just oh do something and then eventually just give it to Giannis if you want to because that that's honestly what it was under Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty there was not much of a flow it was just a lot of standing around there was no off ball movement and but they still managed on like almost talent alone to get baskets and be a great team, like ninth overall in offensive efficiency. And that was with nothing. And just by enacting a system, they should be able to get much better without putting that much effort. So that's, yeah, you're exactly correct when you're saying that they need to put a lot of more effort into the defensive end. Especially defensively, this team was just terrible rebounding last season. What what do you think are some of the ways to fix that? Because some of the guys you got, it's not like they're tremendous rebounders. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Brooke Lopez, he uh, he can rebound. Uh, like, it's it's not like his career high is like six point eight rebounds a game, like for for his career. But his career high is like eight point six a game. But he can. He's better than Thon Maker because Thon just well, gets pushed I out. Mean, of, and yeah, he just gets pushed Thon, out of the yeah. way. It's it's not even fair. Uh, he's uh, like. I'd say he's on par the level with John Henson, but because the thing is, previously Brook Lopez has only been, he's been the premier option in his later stages in Brooklyn, and Lakers Lakers season was kind of a wash, but 
he he was their all star. He was their uh, premier. He was their first option. But now he's going to be taking like less of a role. That way, he can probably focus more on getting rebounds because it's not like he can't. He physically can get them. It's always been an. I think it's been an like a a problem of like effort because he's he's had to be doing everything on both sides of the court. So if he just focuses on like playing his role of getting rebounds, sometimes being in a, like a featured option, that'll be better for him. But yeah, rebounding will. I think it'll still be a little bit of an issue, but I think it'll it might get a little better, but it still won't be great. Well, I mean, we've seen teams be really good teams without be, being necessarily great rebounding teams. The Boston Celtics last year, I think, were in the bottom third of the league, and obviously were in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's it's not the end-all, be-all, but it's still obviously something that you have to watch an issue when your best rebounder is probably your best transition player, which is obviously Giannis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you you can you can say you can. It's it's easy to say that Giannis is the best at everything on the team because it's true. <laughs> um, for this season, who do you think was the biggest addition? Do you think it was either Brooke Lopez, who you think is going to be the starting center, Ursan Ilyasova got the most money, and then Dante Divincenzo was kind of the draft pick? Yeah, I think uh, who's gonna. I think Brooke Lopez was honestly the biggest addition because, I mean, I I said this earlier, but he he is a former All-Star given that their season's removed from that, almost like five years removed from that, but it's he's still that talent that can score. He can uh, run the second unit if he, if that's like a lineup that's out there when Giannis and Chris Middleton are resting. Uh, Brooke Lopez can run the show. Uh, you can't get that with Ursan or Dante DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton, another free agent signing. Uh, you can get that with Brook Lopez, so that's why I, I just think the potential for like another like another premier talent is bigger with Brook Lopez. Right. I, I was amazed at the contract you guys got him to. I understand nobody wants centers in this market anymore, and it's kind of been devalued. But for the biannual exception, that was amazing to me. Yeah, it it was the it was a really great value. People were um, saying that the Ursan Ilyasova deal wasn't great, but I, I I mean I thought it was okay. But Brook Lopez signing automatically made up for it because I uh, three point four million dollars for a starting quality center is incredible, and even in this market. So and it's not he did he did say is he had other suitors. I know like the Lakers they wanted him back, but. Uh, he had a starting role uh, with Milwaukee available, and it's easier to uh, do better in the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference. And Brooklyn, as he said, he's very confident. In an interview with Hoops Hype, he said that um, he said the Bucks can win the Eastern Conference this season. As crazy as it is, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Obviously, I don't think it's a good probability, but I don't yeah. think that's completely crazy. I think they probably have a better chance than. Lakers do the West, not that either is super high. Um, it really surprised me the Lakers didn't offer him just more money than the Bucks. I can't believe that you have to offer Rajon Rondo a one-year, nine million dollar contract, but you can't give Brooke Lopez at least you know five, six million. I th- they might have. There's, I, I think they probably did offer him a little bit more money, but I think the prospect of a good role in Milwaukee and a better opportunity in Milwaukee is what swayed him. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. Like, <laughs> um, well, I mean, he had to have started in 
Los Angeles. Well, I guess I don't know. I don't know what Luke's planning on doing this year, but... Oh, yeah, Luke, he, I guess he, he would have started over JaVale. Yeah, JaVale and um, Mo Wagner, so it's not exactly, you know... Murderers row at center I, for I, the Lakers. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was more like the the Bucks can do better in the Eastern Conference than the Lakers can do in the Western Conference. Yeah, certainly a possibility. Um, no disrespect to Pat Connaughton, by the way. I forgot to mention him in the additions, but not quite. <laughs> the it, same, not quite it was the same a minim, It was a minimum signing. <laughs> I do like Pat's game, though. Um, Dante Divincenzo. What are kind of reasonable expectations from him this season? Obviously, you guys got DJ Wilson last year, who has, we'll say, had a troublesome career so far. Um, that's that's one way of putting it. <laughs> um, do you expect uh, Dante to kind of get in the rotation at least early on, or do you think it might be something where he works his way in there? I think it could be something where he works his way in there. The same thing happened uh, last year with second-round pick Sterling Brown. He didn't play a lot, but then he sort of developed into a player that you could bring off the bench as like a shooter slash defender. Now I don't think Dante can be a great like defender per se, but he can he can shoot, which is a valuable commodity in the NBA. And if you can do if you're a really good shooter, you'll find yourself some playing time. He he can probably start out with the uh, the Bucks G League team. And if if that goes well, he'll probably work his way up in the rotation. I guess how long until he takes Delhi's minutes? Oh, Delhi's minutes, uh, probably pretty quickly, because uh, <laughs> Delhi does not really have much value on this team anymore, because he he's the third string point guard behind uh, Eric Bledsoe and uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and I, he can shoot. Dante Divincenzo, he's like at least previously shown that he can shoot better than Delhi. Let's see how that translates to the NBA level. But if he starts shooting better than Delhi, he's going to take Delhi's minutes right away. Well, and at least he gives you a, something off the bounce where Delhi is, you know, just athletically so limited. In yeah, that he's. Respect. Mm-hmm. He had the. I'm. Uh, he. Divincenzo had the highest uh, vertical jump recorded at the. Combine, so yeah, he definitely brings some explosiveness, and let's let's see how the new coaching staff starts to utilize that because that could be interesting. Yeah, and as we're talking about additions, I guess the biggest obviously um, departure from the team is Jabari Parker, and what I don't particularly think Jabari Parker was good last season. What are the Bucks kind of missing with him gone? <laughs> they're they're missing a negative. <laughs> he yeah, I would agree I would agree with you. He was not good last season. He's probably the reason that the Bucks lost their playoff series against the Celtics because of those first two games. He was absolutely atrocious. His plus minus was insane in the playoffs as it was during the regular season. Um he he just brought no effort on the defensive end. Like he's a bad defender, sure. Some things you can't change, but he didn't try. He never got back on transition. He didn't seem to care. He didn't seem to realize that this wasn't his team. It was it's Giannis's team, which which seems weird now. But like Jabari Parker was the second overall pick. He was supposed to be like the face of this Milwaukee Bucks franchise. But no, Giannis had to develop into a superstar, and Jabari Parker got injured multiple times, and he, it never really came to fruition. But I don't think Jabari ever really understood that there was, this wasn't his team. And he, he didn't try. He didn't show any effort. He was a terrible defender. He didn't, he wasn't even that great offensively. Sure, he has, he has great potential to be an offensive scoring machine, but he didn't really, 
do it. So I, I don't think the Bucks are going to miss him a lot. Right, I agree as far as I think Jabari is someone who had the potential to be a ceiling raiser. But if you're just talking the median outcome, I think getting him off the team was an overall net positive for the Bucks. For sure. You don't need that uh, kind of... He, he also brought some negative energy to the locker room. There were some reports that he was like complaining about practices or something. It, it was it was weird, and it's just it's better it's better if he's gone for the team and probably and for himself. He wasn't going to get a lot. He wasn't going to get a sizable contract from the Bucks. He did from the uh, Chicago Bulls for some reason, but he he got it. So it's better for him. It's better for the Bucks. It's not better for the Bulls. I don't know, but. <laughs> Uh, but it, it works up eight hundred a game, so <laughs> it's it, it worked out for the Bucks and for Jabari for them to part ways. Yeah, when when you talked about him defensively, I think that was the most frustrating part. Not in the fact that I understand he's perhaps not as quick as some of the other guys out there, particularly when you when you're asking him to guard threes, which he's probably more comfortable guarding power forwards at this point. But the fact, just the lack of comp, kind of competition on that side and the lack of wanting to defend was really troublesome i think for them yeah and smart teams like the celtics did in the playoffs they just they just target him on every pick and roll and then they just they just get an easy basket it, it that was their entire game plan when uh, jabari parker was in the game and more, more and more teams are probably going to do that they're just going to uh force a switch and then just ta- uh, then just destroy him it, it's not that dif- it's not that difficult for other teams to exploit him when he's on the court. So it's uh, I don't know. It, it was there. Are, there are bad defenders who have like like not great defenders who are like amazing. Like Steph Curry, for instance. Like given he's not like a bad defender, but he's not great, and he's still like one of the greatest players of all time. And it's just there's there was no upside, like. You sure he was a terrible defender, but he didn't even bring anything offensively. Right, yeah. So I think, like we've talked about, I think they're probably better off getting rid of him. Kind of, I think for the long time, not Bucks fans, obviously they knew, but a lot of people pictured him as kind of the Robin to Giannis's Batman, when obviously, as Bucks fans know, it's Chris Middleton. Kind of, can you just talk about him and what are some reasonable expectations from him this season and what I believe is a contract year, right? It is a contract year, yes. Uh, he was eligible for an extension this summer that he wisely turned down because he is uh, on a drastically uh, underpaid contract. He's only making $13 million in this upcoming season, and an extension would only pay him 125% of his uh, current salary. But he can make way more than that on the open market, and that's because he is an all-star quality player. I'm going to say that. He will be an all-star this season, given that he continues to produce what he did at the end of the last season and especially during the playoffs. He played the best basketball he has ever played in his life in the playoffs. He was shooting lights out. He was defending. He was playmaking. He was capable of creating his own shot. He is, yeah, as you were saying, he is going to be the Robin to Giannis's Batman. And it's, it's, it's a great talent to have because he's a 3 and D wing at his core, but he can also create his own shot. And that's, that's like, you can't find that. And 
Like I'm sure the Bucks are going to do everything they can to resign him, and all reports have indicated that Chris Middleton is he does like the Milwaukee organization. He wants to sign, uh, resign with them. So, um, reasonable expectations for him this season. I think he's going to be an All Star. Maybe uh, let's tw- twenty three points a game, something like that. Well, yeah, I think last year the most impressive thing he did is to me, kind of in the seasons before, he was, like you mentioned, a 3 and D guy. And that was obviously a big part of his game. But I think last season he kind of just improved on that shot making. And he takes a lot of difficult shots, a lot of kind of long twos where normally you'd be like, that's a terrible shot, but he just makes a ton of tough shots. Mm-hmm, for sure. And especially with the new, I keep saying this, but with the new system, it's going to be easier for him to get shots. He'll have he'll have some open threes. He'll have some uh, mismatches he can exploit. I I can't stress enough how much a new system is going to help. I cannot stress. It's 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 incredible. One guy I'll be interesting to see. Will it help Eric Bledsoe? I think it will. The problem, like I've, obviously, Terry I said, yes. Uh, just getting getting engaged in mind games with Terry Rozier just encapsulated his entire playoffs because he did not have his eye on the prize. He was not playing necessarily for the team. He was playing for himself. And that's the, that's the thing that kind of it worries me but also gives me hope in the sense that the talent is there. That's what gives me hope, but it worries me because it's like, has, is he always going to have these problems? But the thing is, he was in a like a dysfunctional Phoenix organization that didn't play him. He had to tweet to request a trade, and uh, then he got the trade, and he immediately comes to Jason Kidd, uh, and it's that's not good for anyone. And then Jason Kidd get, gets fired, and then he gets Joe Prunty, which is, again, not good for anyone. So we just had a tumultuous recent like year and that's me like at least I'm hoping that's why he was sort of having these like issues with like playing for a team but maybe with a good solid coaching staff he can sort of regain that identity of he he's a very dynamic player he's one of the fastest players in the league he's he's bulky he uh he can he can shoot sometimes uh he can uh he can read the floor really well he can find open teammates if he if he actually puts it all together, it'll be really what, good for him, and it's a contract year for him as well. So he should be motivated to play really well. And he's someone at 28 that you kind of picture is older than he actually is, just because he's been around for so long. But you know, I mean, 28 is still plenty of good years left, and I know he's had some knee concerns, but I don't think it should be too big of a regression as far as age is concerned. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, he's still in his physical prime. Uh, some of the knee issues that were last year happened um, uh, two seasons ago in Phoenix. I think we're a little, I mean, obviously I can't say for sure, but it was a little bit of him, like the organization not wanting to play him and right. wanting to focus on the younger guys. So maybe those injury concerns with that specific injury was pro- maybe blown out of proportion a little bit. But I don't think, uh, he, he's not he's not necessarily going to break down or anything. He's still in his prime, so he can, he can definitely not only return to baseline, but probably get better. And he's someone who shot, I mean, shot 35% from three last year. I think people picture him as a slasher, and that's kind of his main role. 
but shooting 35% on nearly five attempts a game is pretty impressive. It is, but it's the five attempts a game that worries me because he's not playing to his strengths. As you said, he's his strengths there as a slasher, as a um, playmaker, getting to the basket, finding open teammates. That's that's his strengths, but when he's like just settling for pull-up threes, that's what starts to bother me. Sure, he can make them, but it's like you're not doing you're not maximizing your ability as on the court right that totally makes sense um kind of one of the last things i want to talk to you about here is if i look at this team as a whole i think the kind of the biggest problem is we talk about chris middleton and the contract here eric bledsoe and the contract here it feels like this team has kind of a hard ceiling on on it at maybe 55 wins what can they do to kind of eliminate that ceiling uh, in t- well, in terms of cap relief, uh, if you want to, you can. If he, if he doesn't perform well, you can let Eric Bledsoe go. Ursan Ilyasova is a tradable contract. Even his third year isn't guaranteed. Uh, you can cut DJ Wilson. Brook Lopez is only on a one-year deal. Um, Matthew Delvadova is going to be a free agent in the summer of twenty. Well, next uh, twenty twenty, he's going to be a free agent. Uh, so same with John Henson. So maybe if you find a trade partner for that, if you want to part with a first-round pick, even that's a little difficult because of the Eric Bledsoe trade and the weird protections that were put on their first-round pick. Uh, but there are definitely avenues if you want to make trades to free up some cap flexibility. If you have the, if you think you have the ability to sign a star, or if you want to trade for a star. Because in in this league you need you need multiple stars. Giannis is one. Chris Middleton is hopefully another. And if you really want to compete for a title, you're going to need a third, or at least like a like a solid third option. It can't just it needs to be a star or a superstar maybe. But you can. There are avenues for them to trade for one. There are avenues for them to sign one of them as a free agent. But both of them are very difficult. But. Hopefully Giannis and Chris are enough. (laughs) Yeah, it just feels like they kind of have to get a third guy in there, and maybe I guess the summer of 2020 is the year that you're able to do that, but it feels like it will be difficult to do that before then, kind of. Yeah, and that's even the summer of 2020 is fine because that's still a year before Giannis is set to hit free agency. Oh, believe me, Raptors fans know exactly when Giannis is going to hit free agency. So, (laughs) Hey, he's never leaving. He said that. Oh, yeah, I saw LeBron promise that he wasn't going to leave, too, so. (laughs) So did Kevin Durant. (laughs) But yet, we saw the Heat and Warriors both win titles. Um, Last thing here, I guess, uh, before I get you out of here, is best case and worst case scenario for this team this season. I'd say best case scenario is... Or best, I guess, best reasonable case, you know, the 95th percentile of what they can achieve. Probably uh, a tight Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's I think that's reasonable. Maybe winning uh, a first round series should be easy, given how terrible the East is and how the Bucks should be uh, in the top four. Um, maybe uh, a second round series. Maybe if they get lucky, and then a third round series. I think their talent they can they can push anyone in a series. I think in the East, maybe they're not necessarily going to win, but they're at least going to be competitive in any series, and that's because they have the the best player in the Eastern Conference. 
Uh, I won't debate. We won't get into that debate. I, I'm actually with you. If I was given one player's production for next season, I would take Giannis over Kawhi. I think at this point in their career, Kawhi might have a little bit higher of a ceiling just due to the ability to shoot. And he's, I think, a better defender. Um, but overall, I would, I'm not going to disagree with you there. <laughs> I, I got to say that on a Raptors podcast. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, when you, Giannis himself can push into any, uh, can put in any series. Uh, when you would add Chris Middleton to that, a solid supporting cast, um, plus good coaching, I think they can take anyone in the East. But probably best case scenario is uh, uh, good Eastern Conference Finals where they're maybe one or two games away from the finals or something like that to hang their hats on. Uh, worst case scenario, oh my goodness. Uh, worst case scenario, I don't, they're not, they're not going to miss the playoffs unless like Giannis gets injured. Even if I think, even if Giannis gets injured, I think they still make the playoffs. Uh, it's great it, to be in the East, isn't it? it it's so <laughs> great. Uh, but I think, yeah, it would take Giannis and Chris to, be injured to for them to not make the playoffs so that's not going to happen uh but maybe maybe another first round loss in the playoffs because that's it's just it's unacceptable at this point honestly for them to keep losing in the first round and not making any progress because that's one not like going anywhere as a franchise and two that's not convincing Giannis that he this is a team he should stay with yeah I totally agree I think I mean it, next season, I believe, will be his age 24 season, and you don't have to win a ton of things like that, but I think you at least have to be heading in the right direction. Yeah, you at least, you at least, yeah. And given how this team has actually been making the playoffs the last couple of years, you need to actually show progress and win a series. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you for coming on. I think that the expectations are set, and now we know the fourth best team in the East.